daughter Jane, and then Jim is going to take the older kids out too, so you can get a break from listening to me. I told Jim I just didn't have to stay here because you know, anyhow, that's all right. All right. So we're in the Gospel of Luke, and we're in chapter 10 today, and we're going to be looking at one of my all-time favorite passages in the whole Bible. I love this passage. It's Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. And I'm using the New American Standard Bible's translation this time, because not only is it more in line with the original language, but it puts Jesus' words in the simplest and most straightforward meanings I think Jesus meant them. And you'll see why. So let's take a look at this story, okay? Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who was also seated at the Lord's feet, and was listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do the serving by myself? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. Wow. This story is so relatable. How many of you know someone who goes into full-on preparation mode or caretaking mode when guests are coming over? <laughs> you know someone? Yeah. How many of you are that person? Okay, you know you guys, when you go do that, you're really scary, I just want to say. And, and so, we get this, okay? And uh, you're in good company, all of you, by the way, because here's Martha going all commando caretaker mode, you know, for Jesus, and she's getting a little peeved with her sister. Now, I love this story. Here, here's Martha going full speed, shifting gears, burning the clutch, and her sister Mary is just sitting there listening to Jesus. The nerve of her. You know, what's going on with that? She's not helping at all. So Martha appeals to the Lord. Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do all the work? How many of you are on Mary's or Martha's side of this one? Come on, be honest. Yeah, I'd be talking to Jesus myself, you know. Because we kind of relate to it. Because we've all been there, if not at home. At work, if not at work, at school, if not those at church. <laughs> yes, you hear that. You know. How come so-and-so is, I'm doing all the work, and so-and-so is just listening to Jesus? Okay, you know. We have those moments. And, and then Jesus stops her and us right in our tracks. Look, take a closer look at verse 42. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you're worried, distracted by so many things. But only one thing is necessary. Dang, that has to be one of the most profound statements in the entire universe. But let's think in a little bit. Because Jesus is saying the very same thing to you and me. We are all, probably right now, worried and distracted by a whole bunch of stuff. But only one thing is necessary. Only one thing is needed. Only one thing is essential. Only one thing is vital. Only one thing is required. Can my entire existence be simplified to such a radical extreme just that easily? Wow. Who, what or who is that one thing? I'm asking you, who is the one thing? Jesus. 
Because, how do you say it? Okay, but I'm a preacher, and I want to make this thing stick, so I want you guys to see some implications of this whole deal. Because it's really profound. So, we need to make a few observations, ask a few questions, and learn a few lessons. All right, you ready? Observation number one. Martha was caught up and obsessed with the needs and cares of managing her home and the guests, and not just any guest, Jesus. How would you like to have Jesus coming over after church? Yeah, I mean, you know, okay. That's, that's a lot of pressure right there. And so I really relate to Martha in this story. Not so much at home. That's Lisa's deal. She goes off commander caretaker at home. If, if it were up to me and you came home, I'd have you vacuuming and doing the dishes. I mean, you know. But at church, oh yeah. Oh yeah, I've been Martha many times. Martha's clearly operating as a classic codependent caretaker in the situation. And I myself have done that a few times. In recovery circles, when someone says, I've drank a few, or I've done this a few times, that's code for I've lost count. Okay? And so I've been down this road a few times, and here's Martha running around, taking care of everyone, keeping things clean and picked up, trying to bring some order to all the chaos. But knowing my experience, it doesn't seem like she's really doing it for Jesus. Okay? It doesn't really seem that like that. And she actually appeals to Jesus to get Mary to stop listening to Jesus. To help her make everybody happy and comfortable. Point of clarification. Jesus really wants all of us, all people, to listen to him more than anything else. Jesus wants us to listen to him before anyone else. Jesus wants us to love and serve him before we love and serve anybody else. And here's Martha going, get Mary to stop listening to you. To come help me. You see the problem? So Mary, for Martha's really kind of doing it, not for Jesus, but for herself. And so basically, you know, Jesus tells Martha, Martha, you're worried, distracted by so much stuff, but only one thing is necessary. She was missing the one thing necessary, and I'd walk in Martha's shoes. And I'm pretty sure her first instinct when she heard those words from Jesus was to argue. <laughs> Huh? Can you imagine arguing with Jesus? How many of you argue with God? Have any of you had an argument with God? And usually it's about our needs. You know, because I think I have needs and God's not meeting them. And we say, God, my idea of what I need and your idea of what I need are two different things. We got a problem here, God. Right? Because they don't match. Philippians 4.19. I love this passage. My God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I've relied on that promise many times. Some of you have too. It's powerful. But I also argue with God over this. Because I've said, God, if you say this, I don't see it happening. Right? It's true. And now that I've walked with Jesus a while, he's meeting my needs. Just not the needs I thought I had at the moment. In fact, sometimes the things I think I need were things that would have destroyed me. So, you know, we just have to keep this in perspective here. And so observation number one raises a question. Question one, who defines what I really need? See, it's one thing to talk about what I want. It's another thing to talk about what I really, really need. How do I know what I really need? Is it up to me? How do I even know 
Do I let the thousands of commercials and advertisements we see every day tell me what I need? Okay. Do I let psychology and sociology and science tell me what I need? Do I let the latest and greatest self-help guru tell me what I need? See, we live in a culture that has proliferated what we need to multiple spreadsheets over every category of our life. If I wrote down everything the world says I need, there's not enough paper. We live in that kind of world. I need this, I need that. It's, a, it's part of our language. Need language. And you've got to be careful of it. But what do I really need? Okay? And that question leads me to the first lesson today. Lesson number one is this. Whoever or whatever defines your need is your God. Think about that. Because I find myself being sucked into, I need this and I need that. But who, whoever you let tell you what you need, that's God to you. Okay? And Jesus is here saying, Martha, you don't need all this stuff. You just need one thing. And guess what? Who it is? Wow. Okay. What do you need? Make a list. Short list. But if we're honest, it's a long list. What's it going to be? Who's defined your needs? This leads us to observation number two. In the story, Martha never stops. Okay? What she's doing, she never, never says she stops, sits down, listens to Jesus. She just keeps on scurrying around, doing her thing. And many times, we don't either. We just keep going. As long as I'm seeking something else other than Jesus, I'll keep pushing forward with my agenda until it becomes quite evident, you know, life is, un is unmanageable, it's getting crazy. And that's just how we work, okay? And I find that I'm not able to stop as long as something comes before Jesus, because there's always something else I need to do, there's always something else I need to have, there's always something I need to achieve, there's always something I need to drink or eat or see or experience, there's always more. Nothing's ever enough. There's always, always more if it's not Jesus. And so this leads to lesson number two, well, question number two. At what point do I sit myself down and listen to Jesus? At what point do I do it? Because Martha never did. And this leads us to lesson number two. If Jesus is not enough, nothing is enough. Until Jesus is enough, nothing else is enough. Can this happen? Until I see Jesus first, I'll continue to run after all the other things in the world that the world prays before me, and I'll never be satisfied or content. This is why Jesus says later in Luke, don't set your heart on what you'll eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after such things, and your father knows you need them, but seek first his kingdom, and these things will be added to you as well. Amen. That's just how it works, and too often, even as Christians, we still continue to seek satisfactions, satisfaction of things that never can satisfy us or meet our needs. The wise King Solomon discovered the same thing thousands of years ago. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What does man gain from all his labor which he toils up in the sun? Ecclesiastes chapter 2. 
I thought in my heart, come now, I'll test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. In Ecclesiastes, Solomon systematically tries everything that we typically turn to to find fulfillment, pleasure, or satisfaction. And he literally turns up empty. So that in chapter 2, verse 17, he says, So I hated life. Because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All that is meaningless of chasing after the wind. Wow. And he's exactly right. But we often don't see it until it's too late. A lot of people take their own lives at this point when they're confronted with the truth. When they've been climbing the ladder, when they've been doing this and that, and they get to the end, they find out it's nothing. It's nothing. And this leads us to observation number three. Jesus says only one thing is necessary. That's mind-blowing. I don't know about you, that seems kind of radical. I mean, really, really? It implies that everything else, everything else, is not necessary. I mean, wrap your head around that. Is he just, maybe he's just being figurative, I don't know. It seems radical. How can that possibly be true? And so this leads me to question number three. Don't we need other things besides Jesus? Some of us have been reading through the book of Exodus. It's, been great. it's just, there's so much there. And so in the book of Exodus, where, you know, two or three million people are out here in the wilderness, God has led them out of those two or three million people. And guess what they want? They want food and water. And so God feeds them, and he gives them water, okay? But God gets ticked at them, because they're, for 40 years, he's trying to teach them, you don't really need food and water, what you need is me, and they never quite caught on, because they were so focused, they were mad, they were upset with Moses, God's not giving me my food, and God's not giving me horse, God gave me food, but it's not good enough. I mean, the list goes on, and they grumbled all the time out in the wilderness because they didn't understand that they didn't need food and water. What they needed was their God. And that's why he takes us into the wilderness to begin with. He takes us into wilderness experiences so that we learn. We don't need all the stuff. What we need is Jesus. In a similar manner, watch this, because it's a genius that only God put before us. In a similar manner, God sends his own son, Jesus, out into the wilderness for 40 days. You catch the parallel? And then in Matthew 4, it says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert, be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, you think? <laughs> the tempter came to him and said, if you're the Son of God, tell these stones become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. At the end of 40 days, Jesus was hungry. He kind of needed food. We kind of die when we don't have food after 40 days. That's just a fact. He needed food, but Jesus basically says, I don't really need food. What I need is my Father. That's what I really need. And we're the same. Before we need anything else, we need Jesus even more than bread and water. Are you starting to see where Jesus is going with this thing? So the final lesson, number three, is this. Until Jesus is enough, nothing is enough. But when Jesus is enough, nothing else is really necessary. 
Now, some of you might not be able to embrace that, but it is the truth. Let me give you an example. In Philippians 4, Paul says, I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether being well-fed or hungry, whether living with plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. The only thing we need is Jesus. And the only reason we need food and water and even oxygen is to do God's will. Now, don't get me into that. I mean, we could talk a long time about what I'm addressing here. See, Paul's contentment did not come from having his external needs met. Happiness, peace, and joy, and contentment does not come from having our needs met. We just learned that because there's never enough. True joy, true peace, true happiness, true satisfaction, true contentment, true fulfillment comes through our connection with our Creator who created us through Jesus. Paul's contentment came from being in fellowship with God, his God experience. And the same is true for us. And the thing about Paul is not only could he do a lot of little, but he was truly able to enjoy it when he had a lot. Now this is important. Because I don't when I when I need something, it takes away my ability to enjoy it. I'm not free to truly enjoy something. And, uh, and so God gave us all these things in the, in the world for us to enjoy, not as a substitute for him, but as a way to have fellowship with him. Example, I love chocolate. How many of you have heard me talk about taking chocolate? You're tired of I know. But you got to understand, I don't need chocolate. I know I don't need chocolate. I make fun of it all the time. And... Uh, Chocolate is one of the things I eat in fellowship with God, and I give thanks to God for it. But I can only do that because I can say no to it. And I say no to chocolate a lot more than I say yes to it. Just this morning, my dear blessed friend Karen brings out a box of donuts. Right? You saw that. What, what's up with that? I mean, and chocolate bars. I eat it. That's my favorite, you know. Well, she, and she, there was a raspberry flaw. And so I, I could easily be addicted to this stuff, but I looked at it and says, no, nah, not today. Not today, and I'm fine. I'm not going through withdrawal. I'm not having an emotional meltdown. I'm not in a drive-thru drunk. It's, 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 I'm okay. And you didn't take one. And I didn't, thank you. I snuck one. It's in my office. No, it's not. <laughs> I didn't take it. Because I know there will be other donuts. There will be other times when I can enjoy it, usually when there's family or something like that. But the only reason I can say no to the donut is because Jesus is first. He's the one that enables me to be free from all this other stuff. And that's kind of what you learn in the wilderness. Only one thing is necessary. Let's go back to Psalm. This is amazing. So Psalm is just like, I hate my life. But he says this in Ecclesiastes 5, Moreover, when God gives any man wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them, to accept his lot and be happy in his work, this is a gift of God. What this tells me is that when I have the one thing, God enables me as a gift to enjoy everything else. Not because I need it, but because it's a blessing or a gift from God. But when I put something 
before Jesus, I miss the gift. And I'm unable to enjoy what I have. When we, when I have Jesus, when we have Jesus, everything else gets thrown in. Ephesians 1.3 Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him, who called us by His own glory and goodness. And then my favorite, Romans 8, 32, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, will He not also along with Him graciously give us all things? Man, only one thing is necessary. So, closing challenge. Next slide, please. Put your name in the, in the blanks. Your name. And say this to yourself. You can whisper it or just mentally, Doug, Doug, you were worried, distracted by many things, but only one thing is necessary. Can you hear Jesus saying that to you? Because he is. Mike, Mike. You know, you're worried. To, put your own name there and say it to yourself. Okay? Do it. And do that regularly. You know, when you're getting all emotional and uptight about stuff, stop and say this to yourself. Or let Jesus say it to you, because he is saying it to you, whether you hear it or not. And then finally remember the promise in our story. In verse 42, Jesus says, Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Amen? That's all we stand for. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for showing us a path, a narrow path, a good path, that is so much better than all the stuff we sought after when we didn't have you. And so help us as individuals, help us as a church body to put you first above everything else because you are the only thing necessary. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.